there's a million different paths to recovery. And I think our responsibility is as quasi professionals is, you know, to try to put as many options in front of somebody as there are, whether I agree, whether I disagree, that's irrelevant because there's not a cookie cutter solution. Is there anyone out there? From darkness to life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Hey, here we are, podcast studio from darkness to life. We're here to wrap up season two today. And uh, I got a couple good dudes sitting here with me. I got Rick and I got Brian. Um, How are you guys doing today? I'm doing exceptional today. Exceptional. Oh, wow. That's a big word. I'm going to hang out with him today. Yeah, you should. You should. Just, I don't know if I'd do it in public. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All good. Yeah. Exceptional. What's, uh, what's making your day so exceptional, Mr. Armstrong? Nothing. Just hanging out with you guys. It's summertime. I'm getting mm. ready to go on holidays. I'm wrapping up a career. Um, Ooh. Life is good right now. Wrapping up a career. Yeah. We're going to get into that a little later, I think. We got we to gotta ex- <laughs> we gotta expose what that means. Um, how about you, Brian? Brian's joining us today. He's been on the podcast a couple times now, and Brian made the massive trek from the West Coast out to uh, Southeast Alberta to join us in studio today. So we're pretty fortunate and pretty grateful that you're here, man. Oh, thanks. This is cool. It's, it looks different than Zoom. Yeah, it does, hey? Wait yeah. till Dave dims the lights for you. <laughs> Great on. No, glad I'm here, man. Yeah. It's awesome, yeah. especially the weather. What do you think of Medicine Hat? You've been here a couple times now. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Yeah? Cool little town. I'm from a small town, Nova Scotia, so it, it feels good. Right. Yeah. And then, it, did I hear a me too? Yeah, hashtag me too. Voice in your head. (laughs) Still trying to clear that. It's interesting because Dave talks to us, but it doesn't show up on the podcast. So it's just this voice in your head. So sometimes you start answering questions and it makes no sense (laughs) to the other listener. So always make sure you reference the man in the man behind the curtain or the voice in your head. And then then folks know it's just Dave. It's just Dave fooling around. Okay. Yeah, right on. So yeah, wrapping up season two today. What else? I can't remember how many episodes we even have, 39, 40 episodes or something. I don't know. We kind of totally shit the bed on like a, f- a structure. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had like, I don't even know what season one was, 20 something maybe. I don't know. Something and, like that. And then this season was just like until we, until summer hit. till we got tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going on vacation, so we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, no, it's been an amazing season. We had some guests that I'd never, well, I didn't know who they were at the start of this season and uh, through our exposure at different conventions and different platforms, social media, whatnot, we had some really fantastic guests and just want to take this moment to thank everyone who uh, took time out of their schedules to be part of our show and share with our listeners. And I think it's been very informative and very powerful and very insightful. There was some, there were some moments this season that uh, got me thinking how to reframe my own thinking. And one of those moments was brought to you by Brian himself. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Thinking outside the box and just reframing the box. That latest episode you did was oh, yeah. so cool. Yeah. That got me thinking a lot with my coach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, we're still going to have a few more sessions on that one when I talk to him. Yeah. How, how do how do I get out of that box? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's been pretty cool looking back on the year. Some, I don't know what you want to call it, heavy hitters, like mm-hmm. some, you know, some internationally recognized specialists in this. And, and uh, you know, we've had the, the minister on here. You know, it's it's been pretty wild. I think the, as the exposure of OCJ grows, so does our ability to communicate with some of these people and in mm-hmm. turn wink wink nudge nudge hey you want to come on our podcast and and they uh shockingly at times they say yes yeah and and also to be able to bring them to this part of the province and the airwaves and our listeners because a lot of these individuals were new to me when i heard them speak so and then i talked to other individuals other people in the agencies and the community around us here and nobody really knew who i was talking about so to have them on our podcast and share their perspectives and their research and their studies and where they come from with our listeners has been a real amazing opportunity, I think. I want, I want to take this one second here. One of our guests, I recently found out, we had Claire Ray on our podcast, and then she was in a vehicle accident on the out in BC, and a very serious accident. I see that she's on the men now, but just want to send out a, a, some well wishes and a shout out to her, and thank goodness that wasn't any more devastating than it was, because yeah. I think it was the following week after she aired our pod or came on our show, she got in a vehicle accident. It's kind of bad marketing, dude. I just want to. Just full transparency. Yeah. Full transparency. Hopefully that's an isolated incident. If it happens to another podcast guest, we're going to have some questions to answer. We're going to have to redevelop our policies and procedures or something, right? Content (laughs) forms for sure. (laughs) All kidding aside, I hope she's fine and we had nothing to do with it. Yeah. For sure. So Brian, you're here for a couple of weeks. I am. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing here? Why don't you tell us what you're doing here in Medicine Hat and <laughs> hanging out with us two idiots? Uh, I'm coming along and helping OCJ and jumping in with OCJ. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a, uh, what would we call it? A, a good merger and have some lots of fun and yeah, yeah see what we can produce. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool how far this relationship has come you know, with you guys out West and us here in Alberta and, you know, we stumbled, Rick stumbled across Orca back last summer, I think something like that. Right. And mm-hmm. suddenly we're in recovery coach training. Suddenly we're on zoom meetings with you guys. And, and the longer and the more in depth our conversations got, the more we realized what a good fit the two organizations were that just the members of our groups. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody's on the same page. Well, I remember the first phone call I had with Brian. I remember hanging up the phone going, I like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you messaged me, you're like, that Brian guy's really cool. Yeah. I think he's one of us. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Now, that's what I like about this podcast, too, is you guys got every person on here. Like, it's not just, like, say, ground people and then politicians and everything else. It's It's a variety of everybody. Yeah. And that's a good thing. For sure. Yeah. And we're the farthest thing from polished. Yeah. <laughs> I just about hung myself just now. Yeah, with my I noticed that. I <laughs> thought we were going to have to shut her down and her down. initiate the emergency response plan. <laughs> what are you new, dude? Like pretty new. Yeah. Pretty new today. I feel new, but yeah, good stuff. I'm glad you're out here. And, uh, I finally have somebody in the office with me. That's yeah. been a change. <laughs> it's been kind of nice. Yeah, somebody to talk to other than that voice in my head once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, and, and not just the podcast, but 
OCJ in general is a year in review, what the organizations, how it's grown and how it's uh, changed. And I, I still remember like when you and me and Damien first sat down and it was like, okay, what are, what are we going to do? And we just, you know, kind of kept saying yes was the policy, right? Mm -hmm. Or informal policy. And now I'm, I'm sitting down with our board members and like we're, we're actually developing policy and procedure and, and, you know, there's budgets and there's, there's plans, there's strategic planning, there's all of these things. And it was like, wow, you know, we've, we're not necessarily just three idiots not knowing what we're doing anymore. <laughs> Cause I remember for the first six months, right. Oh yeah. We almost, it was almost a joke amongst us and people were like, so what are you guys doing? And we're like, we don't fucking know. Like <laughs> Literally we don't know. Yeah. I think now we do. I think we've got, uh. We've got some structure, some direction, some support, and and uh, it's I'm I'm really excited, especially you know when we start talking about different organizations coming together with us and, and the different people that are kind of jumping on on Team OCJ, I guess, and it's I'm pretty excited about what's like I can't even fathom what the year three wrap up's going to be, right? Because <laughs> I think like where year one was, it was like holy cow, I can't believe we've accomplished this. And then you fast forward to year two, and we're sitting here, and I'm going, holy shit, that's like it's just steady exponential growth, right? Yeah. It's like you know, I'm keep waiting for the plateau that inevitably comes with exponential growth, and we're not there yet, I don't think. Well, that's a that's a thing with faith too, right? You guys just jumped in with two feet and started going. Yeah, and it's like fuck it, let's just do it, Yeah. right? It will fix it and build it as we go. I found in in all my years of people starting stuff, they always try and get everything together mm -hmm. and then start it. And it usually doesn't start because you can't get everything together. Yeah. But with faith and just, yeah, let's give this shot, see what happens, and let's go for it. I think that's where, uh, where most times things take off. I know even with us in Norca, that's kind of what we did. It was like... You know, I went home one weekend, talked to my coach, went back to work on Monday and quit. Nice. Right? Or not Monday. I went on the vacation first and then I come back and quit. <laughs> yeah. Use up those vacation <laughs> <Yeah>. days. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But it was. It was like that. It's like, okay, it's time to make a move. Let's do it. Yeah. And yeah. I guess that's a pretty good segue into me. I, uh, I don't know. Lucky. I don't know how, what, how to say it, but uh, I was lucky enough i guess to be able to hand in my resignation at my other full-time job so i know i've mentioned that i run a seniors home on this podcast several times and as of september 1st that will no longer be the case uh, i will be full-time all in i'm betting on us i'm betting on ocj i'm you know the it's where my heart belongs. It's where my purpose, uh, you know, I found my purpose here, I think. And, uh, faith, right. It's a good, you know, and I've made no qualms about what faith means to me. It's, you know, just trusting something. I don't know what the hell it is yet, but, um, I figure if, uh, actually it was to be totally honest with you, it was one of our, um, board members who happens to be the superintendent of our, of, uh, local school shout out to mark davidson um my son graduated this year my oldest son and the grad speech that he gave those kids was not only were the kids listening but i sure was too and uh and he talked about joy and purpose 
and uh, as these kids start out on this journey of life and you know now you're adults and i'm using air quotes because there's no fucking way my kid's an adult yet right <laughs> but um you know starting out on their journey of life and he was talking about you know the pursuit of joy and how many of them will pursue joy and the thing about the pursuit of joys it's fleeting it'll come and it'll go mm. you know you'll achieve goals you'll achieve things and you'll get things you'll reach milestones but then it's gone and you'll find yourself in this perpetual cycle of searching and seeking the next thing to bring you joy mm. and uh and he said but if you seek purpose that joy will be with you always you'll find you'll find joy in your purpose and it's always there and uh yeah, so shout out to Mark that uh, I heard that message. And so I'm in. I'm all in. So you're using up your holidays and then quitting. <laughs> exactly. Use up that holiday bank. and Nice. I'm going on vacation, then I'm done. That's so sweet. I'm even more excited, you know, as this team grows, as our, you know, and, and we've talked about a whole bunch on here of how the right people just keep ending up in our mm -hmm. in our path at the right time. And, Again, you know, brings back to faith, I guess. Um, but I look at what we've accomplished, you know, between you and me and, and Damien starting this thing mm -hmm. to where we are today and the people that have just fallen into our path at the right time. I'm like, how can you not have faith in it? It's, it's working. And, and when I see what we've accomplished in yeah. not even two <laughs> years with, with everybody being off the side of their desk at best when we started. Yeah. Like I'm looking around this room right now and I got two guys, you know, we're going to have an office full of staff that are fully committed and all in and, and like, man, what, it's wild. Right? Who knows what we're going to accomplish now? <clears throat> yeah, totally. It's funny that you say that because it was a year ago this month is when I left my job to come over to OCJ I think it's the 15th of July is when we got that office space. So we're coming up on, you know, that one year we're wrapping up season two of the podcast and some pretty cool things have happened in this last year. And now we're coming, you know, coming up on that anniversary and you're packing it in and you're moving over now. And it's just one of those things that I remember having that coffee September of 2020. <laughs> Never once did I think this is where things were headed, right? <laughs> but 100% agree it's that. If Pastor Dave was here today, he would talk about his crazy faith, right? And that's exactly what that is for me too. It's like that leap of faith. We're not too sure where it's going, but the purpose is there and we feel good doing it. So why not do it? Exactly. Oh man. Only live once. <clears throat> right? Yeah. I spent the first 40 years of that just doing research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I only got half of that left. Hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, eh? Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean... To all of us here I mean the good part of our first part of our life you know, we weren't attending very well <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the truth <laughs> so this part of our life right it's like let's attend let's uh, let's enjoy it and let's do what we want to do not this just do what society says mm -hmm. so to speak because and, and not that, that that's good for people like some people really like that and yeah. that's fine but there's some people that do it out of fear and, uh, and I don't want to live my life out of fear anymore. Totally. Right. There's fear always there. Absolutely. That's the tattoo, right? Fear less, two yeah. words. I'm still going to fear, but I want to <clears throat> do less of it so I can work through it and keep continuing what I want to do in life. Yeah. 
right? Try it. If it doesn't work, good. Let's try something else. For sure. But, yeah, it's time to enjoy and have fun and, yeah. It's, it's so true. And I think for me, once, you know, coming out of addiction and through that, at the end of that run in that dark space I was in and making it to this side of that that situation, there isn't a whole lot of stuff out there that scares the shit out of me anymore. <laughs> Not like that did, right? Yeah. When I look back on those moments and we got, you know, I can speak for both you guys, you guys got through your dark spots too. There isn't a whole lot out there that scares the shit out of me anymore. I know that, you know, that's the darkest it's ever been and nothing's going to get me back to that spot. And I, I just have to go forward and challenge myself with the stuff that scares me. Yeah. Because usually it's not very fucking scary once you get through it. You're like, man, that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. The brain lies to us. Yes, it sure does. It tells us shit that is not true. That's why I appreciate you guys so much because you can <clears throat> be like, hey, this is what my brain told me today. And you'll go, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't listen to that. <laughs> yeah. But I want to know more about it. <laughs> Tell me more about what your brain told you. Because <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. And it, it's cool how you were just mentioning, you know, uh, talking about society and these things, right? We just had that conversation yesterday, you and I, in the office. Because I have an office mate now. <laughs> but it's, uh, we just talked about that, right? Like having a young baby at home and these things and my wife working. And it's hard to get to the office at eight o'clock, it's hard to stay till five o'clock. And you were the one who reframed that for me. You're like, that's like this Western culture that we have to, we don't feel worthwhile if we're not putting in eight to five. And then you reframed it for me in terms of energy, not time. When do you have the most energy and when are you doing the most work, the most productivity? And maybe that's not between eight and five. And it was a real cool way to start looking at things. Well, that's, that's a lot. Of, and again, I get most of this stuff working with my coach, yeah. right? Because I've gone through all that about, because uh, I always say, well, i got to schedule my time better. i got to schedule my time better. And a couple of times he was coaching me, he said, it doesn't sound like a schedule problem. It sounds like an energy problem. And when the first time he said it, I thought, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right? And then he mentioned. kind of what I thought yesterday. <laughs> then he mentioned a couple more times and it was right. Like if. If you can find out when you have your energy and where the energy is, that's the best time to do certain things, whether you're with your family or at work or what it is. And that's when you get the more product out of what you're doing at that time, mm -hmm. right? Because I know in the morning, if I, well, when I was working downtown in Vancouver, I would always go for a run in the morning because it, it was just beautiful. It's six in the morning on the seawall and hardly anybody's around. And I'm just running, looking at the site and the water and everything else. And it just filled me full of energy. Mm -hmm. So when I got back to work, it's like, okay, I can cruise today. Yeah. Right. And then just do parts of the day. And I was, I was listening to a book also. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It'll come to me. But anyway, this guy talked about, he said, yeah, he used to, he would do everything for everybody, like schedule his time around everybody else. Then he realized like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm, it's great having my own business and getting to do what I want to do, but I'm still doing what everybody else wants me to do. Right. He says, time to do what I want to do. So he started scheduling his work. I think it was like in between nine and two or something like that. Really short. And he said, at first, it, again, the fear, right? He was scared shitless that oh, it's not going to work. Everybody's going to quit and I'm not going to do anything. He said a few people did leave, but he said a whole lot more people came. They found him really, uh, you know, engaged in between them and hours. And he said he's doing a lot better than he's ever done in his life. He's got all kinds of times to do stuff, and people are seeking him out. Wow. Yeah. Because he found the energy when it works well. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So yeah. then, 
everybody will be cool as me being the fat guy in the room when I'm like about two thirty in the afternoon. This guy needs a nap. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally. We're gonna need another couch. Couch, couch naps. <laughs> this fat guy's gonna be on the other couch. <laughs> couch naps and popcorn. <laughs> it's the OCJ recharge hour. Yeah. Did I mention I, I'm a master of sleep eating? <laughs> Alyssa will verify this. <laughs> I have this unique skill of saying, like, to my wife or my kids, okay, I'm having a nap. And they know they've got about a 30-second window yeah. before I'm out. Right? <laughs> like, I, when I shut off, it's off. Yeah. Uh, what is a nap for you? What is a nap? How long? Time frame? Is 20 minutes a nap? An hour. Yeah. It's got to be, right? Yeah. I'm the same yeah. way. It's Absolutely. like it's like back in active addiction. If there's two beers in the fridge, they're safe. If there's 15 minutes, I'm not having a nap. Like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll like if there's 15 minutes, I'll blink really slowly. <laughs> but I wouldn't call it a nap. Yeah, right? that's all. Oh, that's what you do on those Zoom meetings. Yeah, yeah. You just blink slowly. Yeah. You look like you're kind of napping, but <laughs> it's just a delayed blink is all. It's perfect. <laughs> if anybody has had the pleasure of zooming with Rick. And he's doing the slow blink now. You know what it is. <laughs> I'm learning to shut my camera off because I struggle with uh, controlling facial expressions sometimes. As anybody who's ever Zoomed with me is aware. So funny. I love it. I tend to get a lot of like private messages and Zoom meetings going, dude, like everybody can tell what you're thinking. <laughs> That's all right. That's one of the things I, I enjoy about you is you always know where you stand with Rick, right? Even if he doesn't have to say anything, you just know. If he's not really onto, into what you're saying, you know. Yeah. And you can explore it more. And that's perfect. Because so many people just bullshit you and nod their head, yeah, 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 and then walk out of the room and talk shit about you. Right? Now you. You talk shit right about me in front of me. I like that. Ryan, that's stupid. It is. Uh, it's it's awesome. What else we got on the agenda today? Wrap up show. What's going on with loud. you? Yeah, why are you yelling? Oh, I got this in my mouth. <laughs> it's weird. Well, uh, we've talked about what Brian's doing. We've talked about what I'm doing. What are you doing? What's your plan? What do you got coming down the pipe for OCJ? Um, we got a few things on the go here. We're developing. We got a few things working in the background. We got. Uh, we have some uh, solution-focused recovery programming that we're working on. I know Brian and I have been working hard on that and some modules and some, some different things, not therapeutic or not treatment-related, but different things that we know that worked for us, and you're involved with that too, Rick. And So we got some of that that we're rolling out here later this fall. Um, this weekend, we have uh, we partnered with Badlands training and we're going to take part in the food bank's amazing race, the race for hunger. So I'm pretty stoked about that. And I never thought I would be, but oh my gosh, I've just, I've talked enough trash this week that I need to start putting my running shoes on and I'm, I'm starting to get a little nervous. I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't have talked so much shit this week because <laughs> now we really have to go race this thing on Saturday and it's going to be fun though. And it's for the community, right? It's for a good cause for the food bank and Melissa over there has uh, put together this first annual Race for Hunger and all the funds donated that each team raises and all the funds that are donated go to the food bank, which is a massive cause because we know over the last few years, especially this last six months with inflation and everything else that's happening, the, the food bank is one of the places that's impacted the most, right? They're getting an influx of people that they usually don't see at the food bank. So it's going to be a cool race. Uh, anybody who's interested in tuning in to watch our mess 
It's uh, live streamed on the, I think it's on the um, Root Cellar Food and Wellness Hub Facebook page. We've been told very thoroughly to watch our profanity, no profanity, because it's going to be live streamed. So that's going to be another challenge because as (laughs) you may know, if you listen to this podcast, there are a few F-bombs that fly out. (laughs) What I was shocked at is like, this is actually a legit race. Mm -hmm. Like I thought it was just, you know, nonsense that you were going to drive around and like almost like a, you know, scavenger hunt kind of thing. But like you started talking about like the shit you're doing, the bike riding and the kayaking and the running and I'm like holy shit well when I signed up for it I thought it was maybe just a scavenger (laughs) I'm like of course I'll do that is there snacks (laughs) yeah like if if there's a if there's a a roadblock where you gotta call a friend he's gotta eat a sandwich Mm. really quick I'm your guy your speed dial yeah Yeah. that's sandwich button one (laughs) yeah absolutely if you need a guy shaped like a bag of milk (laughs) I'm your guy (laughs) Oh my God, you're hard on yourself, buddy. <laughs> Don't you remember that? Like back, was that the 80s, 90s? Yeah. You get like milk and bags. Bag milk. Oh, yeah. You buy the three pack. Yeah, three pack and you'd have a little like Tupperware holder yeah. for it. And totally. Yeah. I saw it, I think when I uh, did my bike trip and we cycled through Ontario, I'm sure in the grocery stores, they had bags of milk still. Yeah. Like, so if anybody's wondering what kind of shape this guy's in, just imagine <laughs> a bag of milk with a beard and some tattoos. <laughs> I know. I'm going to develop a little emoji of that. (laughs) (laughs) I got to do it. Dave, you want to help me with that? (laughs) So yeah, that's what's coming up the pipe, coming down the pipe, whatever. I try to stay away from the pipe these days. (laughs) It doesn't treat me well. Well, one thing that we should mention that I was kind of trying to cue up for you, but you shit the bed on it is uh, the conference that we have coming this fall. Oh, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. Oh. I, was, I was rolling it in, and then I was going to roll it back up. Oh, okay, sorry. Disregard what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> so as uh, my good buddy Rick alluded to, the SARCON, our... Uh, the Southern Puckus. Alberta Regional Recovery Conference. There you go. Thank you. I need I need a cue card for the, all these acronyms <laughs> we're running these days. <laughs> oh, my God. I get them tattooed on my arm. But yeah, we were putting together a, a recovery-focused conference this, this fall in November, November 9th and 10th. It's going to be here locally in Medicine Hat at the Medicine Hat Lodge. We have a wild lineup of keynote speakers, guest speakers, presenters, panels. I know you've been working your ass off putting this together, and you put most of it together in the first 11 hours of the idea, I think. <laughs> hey, Brian? Like, like he, he texts me on a, I don't even know. I got a, I got something really cool. And then you made some post about doing something epic. And then by 11 the next morning, you're like, we're going to have this conference. And I've already talked to boom, 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 boom. I had this all laid out. I'm like, shit, I'm just having my second cup of coffee. And you put a conference together. It's pretty awesome though, man. And, and I'm super excited for it. And I know, Brian, you're going to be part of that. We got some things we'll roll out at that convention or at that conference. And some of the keynote speakers, I mean, unbelievable. Johanna O'Flaherty, Tom Wolf, Thomas Wolf's coming up. Uh, some people have had the privilege of, uh, hearing them on our podcast, some of these guests, but to hear them in person and to really get to know them and is, you know, we got to know them in Calgary and amazing individuals. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It th- I think it's really going to roll out, you know, I, I know actually, so here's, here's something for you. My mom actually gave me shit. I can't remember if it was last Paul, week or the week before we were having dinner and she's like, my mom's always quick to criticize, right? Mm-hmm. Or oh, Sorry. She doesn't like it when I say criticize, just provide feedback. 
but she was saying how like as we've progressed and i'm sure if i get this wrong she'll she'll tell you she won't criticize yeah. me she'll just constructive feedback. constructive feedback that that's not what she meant <laughs> i should actually call her and just get her on the phone um how like as as from where we started to where we are now even our dialogue is has evolved and her concern is like now we're talking over the people that are tuning in for the first time potentially ah. right because now we're like talking about recovery oriented systems of care and she's like well what if people don't know what that is and I yeah. go, well then they listen to episode one and they get on board and they learn as we learn um but i think that's kind of the focus of what this conference is right is is there's a lot of there's a lot of things that have been kind of rolled out between the provincial government and some of the you know language that we use for example recovery oriented system of care mm -hmm. recovery capital these things right the first <laughs> the first presentation at the conference is what does a recover, recovery oriented system of care look like in our community mm -hmm. and the second main speaker is um what is recovery capital yeah and what does that look like and then the intent of the whole conference is how do we as a community achieve this goal of a recovery oriented system of care for sure because it really is trying to you know and, and it's almost cliche at this point right but identify the gaps and fill the gaps mm -hmm. you know and that's like i said it's almost a cliche because i've heard like that terminology as far as gaps and yeah. stuff for as long as i've been around right but um so uh, i would encourage any of our listeners that are interested in a deep dive into some of the stuff that we're talking about and is uh to take a look at that it's on social media right now yeah. Um, we've got a website rolling, so it's uh sarcon, S A R R C O N dot C A. Mm -hmm. Wow, nice. I, I wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put all those links in the footnotes too, but yeah, <clears throat> Facebook as well at uh, at sarcon and Instagram at underscore sarcon with two R's. Yeah, two R's, two R's. So um, yeah, thanks mom for the credit. I mean, constructive feedback, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and, and I can kind of see your point, right. Is, yeah. well, we, we talked about when we first started, like we didn't even know what the hell we're doing and here we are using 1 million acronyms and all of, you know, every, every bloody thing we deal with is an acronym. And, mm -hmm. and so I think we do need to remain cognizant of the audience and, you know, if it is somebody newer listening well first of all go back and listen to the other podcast because you'll get educated in much the same way i think we did right yeah. you'll be able to see the progression of our education our information if you listen from episode one season one to where we are now i think you'll you'll be able to see the growth that we've i guess both personally and professionally right with some of the education that we've had and some of the conversations that we've got to take take on and be involved in so yeah for sure. Shout out to mom. <clears throat> Thanks, Paula, for bringing that to your son's attention. In a very direct manner. Yeah. Moms <laughs> have a way of doing that. Right? Or I like how they say something like you're alluding to, and then they say, well, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I know you're just saying it. I heard you say it. <laughs> right? What do you, I'm just saying it mean. <laughs> no, it's funny though. But I like how you put that in. And I know one of the other speakers to follow up those ones you just mentioned is going to talk about um, recovery community, right? And how to build a recovery community. And 
that ties right in with recovery capital because so many people think that recovery is for the individual, right? And it's the individual's problem. It's the individual that needs to find the solution and all these things. But if you start building recovery capital within the individual while coinciding with building recovery capital in the community and in society, suddenly this is how you get a recovery community. And now it's much easier for someone to find recovery if they're surrounded in a, you know, by a community that's recovery oriented. And that's what we're trying to do here in Medicine Hut because you can, I find personally after working in this industry for a while now, you can feel all the gaps you want, but if everybody stays in their silos and everybody works behind closed doors and then they refer somebody over here and over here, there's, I mean, fill all the gaps you want, but it's not orientated towards recovery. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at with that without trying to say any more shit about shit that <laughs> pisses me off. <laughs> Well, that's it. If we can get everybody working together, yeah, right, instead of the silos and thinking, well, this is my job and that's your job. Exactly, that is my job and that's your job, but let's work together with yeah. the person to do it. right? Sure. We're, I'm not trying to take your job. I'm not trying to steal your job, and you're not trying to steal my job, and let's be friends and work together. We may have a different opinion. The three of us here at the table, I'm sure we pull something out, we'll all have a different opinion on it, mm-hmm. but we can still get along well, yeah. right? And we can, it's about helping the other person. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I did get to speak with one person today, actually. She reached out and she's like, I'd like to be on one of the panels. And I think, you know, her her and I have a very respectful dialogue, but I think we're both have, have different opinions about different things. And I think that was her concern is like, I'd like to be a part of this, but this is what I want to talk about. And I was like, cool. That's a piece of the puzzle, right? And Mm -hmm. I said, at the end of the day, like whether I agree, whether I disagree, that's irrelevant, right? I think there's a million different paths to recovery. And I think our responsibility is as quasi professionals is, you know, to try to put as many options in front of somebody as there are, because there isn't a, you know, that's the thing about addiction and the mental health aspects attached to it is there's not a one there's not a cookie cutter solution, right? Yeah. What works for me, you know, t- take little bits and pieces of what everybody says and, and find your own journey and your own path. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whether, whether I look at somebody's <clears throat> practice or, you know, what program that they want to roll out, I can look at it and go, well, that wouldn't have worked for me, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. It might exactly. absolutely work for somebody else. And, and, uh, so I think that's what we're really trying to do with this is, is let's get everybody in the same room, regardless of where you are on the, the spectrum of abstinence or harm reduction or left wing or right wing or however, you know, whatever divisive measures you want to use. At the end of the day, it's a community problem. We need a community approach solution. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take all of us getting over our egos and just going, okay, you know, I have a solution that I can offer you, but it might not be the solution you need. But fortunately, I've developed a relationship with somebody that does have that solution yeah. for you. And I can, I can introduce you, exactly. you know, and it's not just a, a phone number and a pamphlet. It's, I'm going to call my friend, whatever, you know, I'll leave names out, but, um, and introduce you to somebody that might be able to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the advantage of really trying to develop a community of recovery. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty amazing. And I think you touched on by explaining it that way, you touched on what a recovery coach does, right? It, it's not about 
what worked for me isn't going to work for you. So you go find your own way. It's about, you know, finding the strengths in somebody and finding what goals they want to work on. And now we're going to help you navigate that to, to fulfill your recovery plan that you've built yourself. We've just helped you do it. And I think that speaks, I'm not going to, I'm not wanted. Well, I, I am an addict, so I do have an ego. So I mm-hmm. do pat myself on the back, but this is one that isn't ego based. I think it just, goes to speak to the power of education and information is like when I started OCJ, I was pretty rigid in what I thought <laughs> recovery was mm-hmm. and how you get there. Yeah. And here's the roadmap. And if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I look at where, you know, like what I just finished saying would not have come out of that mouth two years ago. No, for sure. At all. Right. And I think that just a constant exposure to more people and more opinions and going, you know, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I've met enough people to know that I can't say that doesn't work because I've seen it work for, I've seen almost everything work for somebody. Yeah. So who the hell am I to say what works and what doesn't? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It brings back a memory of, I was working out uh, one of my first jobs in this industry and we're doing class and there's this guy, he keeps nodding out at the uh, table and falling asleep. And everybody else says, well, get rid of him. He's not interest, interested in being here. I said, just leave him alone. He'll wake up and he'll come to you one of these days. And like, he would just come off the streets and that. So, but anyway, he come out one day and we're sitting watching uh, the news and there was something going on about, uh, they had, they were selling crack pipes out of this vending machine downtown Vancouver. And I said, that's crazy. And the first words he ever spoke to me, he turned around and looked at me. He said, well, don't you shut your mouth until you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who the hell is this guy, right? <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, you don't know what this is about. I said, you do? He said, yeah. Because he lived in the uh, in a doorway down in the East End for eight years. He was down there for longer than that, but in the same doorway for eight years, he said. And so I said, why don't you educate me? So I was working at that, in- at that place for a couple of years. And he was there the whole time. And he- I learned more off of that guy than I learned off of anybody. Like, because I had, just like you, Rick, I had certain opinions. And whether I agree or not, he got help, right? So he really educated me on a lot of stuff and changed my mind, right? I was blown away because when he said that, I said, you start educating me. And he did. I didn't, I just thought, you know, now he won't. Yeah. He'll just turn around and not do anything. But he started educating. He was a smart guy. But he started educating me. And and again, it's like, whether I agree or not, it works for some people. For sure. It Like, so... <clears throat> Who am I? And what, like, why do I got to have, it's, my opinion's mine mm-hmm. and it works for me well. And I got to let other people have their opinion so it can work for them well too. And I think that speaks volumes to, you know, one of the, one of the things that I'm trying to f- focus on and I guess prove myself a bit too, is there's, there's such an appetite to dismiss lived experiences. You're not a professional, right? Oh. And, uh. I was talking to another board member at OCJ who happens to be a social worker. And uh, this individual was like, well, do you know what in social work education, how much they study addiction? And he's like, it's one semester. Yeah. Like it's, it's one course in one semester. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'd put your 20 years of lived experience against one course in one semester any day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, because I was almost selling myself short. Like maybe I need For to sure. go get a degree. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to go do something so that I can speak with some professional authority on this. 
And he's like, fuck, dude. He goes, you've got more education than most of the professionals. You know, and again, I'm not shitting on professionals. No. Like, they're yeah. they're a amazingly important component of recovery. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But nothing can replace looking at a guy and him knowing you you get it mm-hmm. and coming from a place of experience. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it was, it was, I really appreciate that conversation with that person. Cause I was kind of beating myself up <clears throat> and trying to figure out what my path was. Cause I'm not a professional English dude. You've got more experience than most. Totally. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Now we've had a few people take the course, the uh, recovery coaching course with Orca. And, uh, I remember one conversation with a person and that's what they said. Like they're a trained professional and they said, I've never had an addiction course, but yet we work with people in addiction. Mm. Like, and I was, I was kind of shocked that they didn't even have one course. They were told you're going to work with them and here's some of the stuff, but they didn't have an an actual addiction course. She said, so I'm coming here to find out more because the coaching, it sounds like you guys will be able to tell me more. Right. I said, you're going to have a crowd of people in here that will tell you, (laughs) right? Because it was most, mostly that course is, uh experience people and and that would be the cool part i think for her is she would i would almost bet if we had her on the air she would say she learned more from the conversation than she did the manual well and that's it and that's the cool thing too because i'm not to disrespect your manual by any means but no 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 absolutely The, the conversations is where you get it right that's where especially in adult education that's where i know i learn and a lot of people like me learn like it's it's hands-on conversation. Let's do it. Let's practice it. Let's talk to each other. Let's get ideas from each other. And that's what we say at our, our course always. Like, we are not the experts. We're here. we got a bunch of science-based stuff, but you guys have a bunch of experience and professional stuff and, and not professional stuff that you can bring yeah. and teach everybody. And that's how the course goes. I remember th- there was one course, and there was a, a, a person, a professional, a PhD, and then there was a guy that, out there that uh, came out from living under a bridge for years. And they got in uh, uh, quite a few breakout rooms together throughout the course. They loved working with each other. Like it was, like, especially the guy, like he told me, he said, this is so cool. Like he, he got confidence because yeah. this other person with a PhD was really, really, tell me more. Tell me, like really interesting. And she she was just ecstatic, right? She said, like, this is cool. Yeah. Right, I'm I'm learning a lot, and he learned a lot from her. So it was, it was really cool to put two people together and say, "Hey, we're just people sitting here talking, and here's what I know, and here's what you know." And for sure, yeah, like I, I love when that stuff goes on. That is so cool. Then it is. It's we are just people, man. Yeah. Everybody here, we're just people. Some people are carpenters. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of us actually. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. True, right? Yeah, and there's up to you know professionals, doctors psychologists, all kind, and once they get together and sit and talk, we're just people. Yeah. Right? And we're here to help each other and enjoy each other and and let, let each other live the lives we want. You know, people, I'm sure people, like, like say, I get up at, uh, I'd be up when I was in Vancouver, working, working downtown Vancouver, I'd be up at quarter to five, down to work and out running by 6.30 at the latest. And people said, you're crazy, right? But that's my recovery and it works for me. Other people do things. I let them think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you talked about, you know, in the courses like that and in the training, you're just people, right? And there's no hierarchy and there's no better than. And, and I love that's how you take, you know, that's how 
when we're working with individuals, we take that to the relationship. I'm, I'm not better than you because I'm a recovery coach or I'm a certified addictions counselor. Who gives a shit, really? Yeah. Let's just talk. That's what it is. And it's, I'm here to understand. Well, see, here's, here's, I was, I got some old books I brought with me and uh, when I was taking coaching, I'm a certified leadership coach. So I brought them with me just to go over some stuff and see how we can maybe imp implement some more stuff. But there was one paragraph that really stood out to me and it said that uh, in today's age, like everything's changing so quick, like so quick, where before, like way back, before that the professional was, a, or the, the uh, expert was an expert because they could come out from the top office, come down to the main floor and probably build the same thing you're building. Where nowadays things are changing so quick and they said it right in the book that if you're not working the front lines of whatever it is, not just addiction and, mm -hmm. and outreach and stuff like that, any job, it changes so quick that the person in the lead up top is, doesn't know what's really going on down there anymore. For sure. So as a really good leader and as a really good coach, you sit there and say the person you're sitting across from, they're the expert yeah. because they're coming in from where they're at. Like, and this, I had this conversation, I can't remember who it was. I think we had it last night when we were talking in the course. And uh, I told someone, like, I quit using Bocce 24 years ago yesterday. Yeah. Was my clean date. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank <amazing>. you. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I know when I started working in the industry in, in downtown, people started coming and I think, oh yeah, I know this stuff. I don't know this stuff. The drugs and everything out there are a lot different than what I used. Yeah. So I don't know this. So I got to coach the person on the other side because they're the expert in their life and what they were using and how they would need to get out of it. I didn't use that way. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the thing is we are not the expert in it anymore. Although in our brains we think, oh yeah, I've been there. And I have been, so I can get the feelings as we talk about in the course. We know the feelings and some of the fears, and we can, we can connect that way very well. But that person on the other side is the expert in their life yeah, and in their work or whatever it is you're coaching them on at that point in time. So when it said that in that book, it, made, it just, like last night again, it just made so much clarity to me again. It's, yeah, yeah, I'm not the expert. For sure. I can't be because it changes so quick, especially now. I mean, look at the last two years with Zoom. It changed the world again. Yeah. In two years. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I had that reaffirmed to me yesterday, what you were just saying about we're not the expert in someone's life, right? And what, I met with a new individual yesterday at, at a coffee shop and we talked for an hour, hour and a half. And at the end, I left there knowing so much more about her situation, you know, going into it. We all have these preconceived notions mm -hmm. of we heard a little bit of their story on the phone or whatever. Okay, I I got this figured out already, right? But you go in there with an open mind and and just sit to understand and ask the right questions. And uh, I left there so I want to say almost excited to for our next session because I learned so much from her and her, what her life looks like right now that I was completely off base with my preconceived notion, right? And I'm glad I'm able to check that now and not run with that bias when I walk into an individual's life like that. But it was amazing to sit with this lady and talk to her for an hour, hour and a half and understand where she's coming from and what her obstacles are. Because yeah, she's, you know, trying to get in recovery today. I got in recovery 2015 and we're not using any of the same drugs and anything like that, right? Addiction is addiction, but it, there are some differences, absolutely. And, and 
I can't tell her what's going to work for her. So mm. we just got to sit and we got to listen and ask the right questions and uh, just and roll with that. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. Empowering the other person. Yeah. That's the biggest thing, right? And like you were saying earlier, Rick, if, if I go into that only thinking there's one way and it's the way that worked for me, I know that's going to work for you. And if, it, if you're not interested, then go find somebody else. I mean, man, we're just setting ourselves up for failure after failure after failure with connecting with people. If, mm-hmm. if we have these blinders on and I, and I'm a 12 step guy, right? And when I first, this conversation really hit home with me because when I first got into recovery, it was in the spring of 2015. I took the summer, did a crazy bike trip across the country and then enrolled in the college. I'm going to be an addictions counselor, right? Thinking to myself, man, I'm going to breeze through this course. I know all this shit already because I lived it. Then I went in there and it's all academic and it's all paper writing and all research and all these things, right? So my lived experience really wasn't, it was helpful at times, but it really didn't help me get through that course, right? And all the individuals that were in that um, class, it was funny because I was in there with another person in recovery, one of my good friends, and nobody, none of the other students really asked us about our lived experience. Nobody wanted to know, you know, you read a chapter in a textbook, what it's like, and you got somebody sitting right beside you that lived through it, but nobody would ever ask us. And I found that so fascinating. I'm like, man, if I was in your chair and vice versa, I'd want to know what your experience was. Is this real? But nobody ever asked us. It's bizarre. Yeah. When you think of the resources that we have even sitting in this room, right? As again, I know I'm the only one that's not actually a professional. You two do, but I'm going to keep saying quasi professionals. Um, there's a wealth of experience and knowledge of what it's actually like. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I know like, I don't want to get too political and I, but whatever. That's one of the things I really appreciate about um, Minister Mike Ellis and his team that he's put around him because he's got, you know, he comes from a policing background in downtown Calgary. So he's got plenty of experience dealing with addiction and what that looks like. But what he did is surround himself with people with lived experience. So everybody in that, in the minister's inner circle knows what it's like. So they're, you know, they're, they're developing policy based on not theory, but lived experience, what will work. And, you know, and there's a lot of theory out there that's great in theory, but like it's theory, right? When you try to put that into practice, it's like, well, you didn't factor in this, 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 and this, right? And it's like, well, shit. Mm-hmm. And when you start actually being exposed to some of the raw data and the actual numbers and the statistics, you know, what I thought was a problem isn't necessarily the, you know, not, to, not to minimize the problem, but it, my opinions on a lot of things have changed being exposed to the people that actually have the information, have the data and have, have that lived experience really that's even different than mine and and that's why i appreciate so much you know do i think the current upc government is awesome no um do i think that there's a lot of problems yes but in my lane in this lane of recovery and this world mm-hmm. that you know the sandbox that we're playing in yeah I'm so thankful we got who we got. Yeah. 
steering that ship because they're they're doing it right it's not solely talking to professionals that are theorizing things based on textbook knowledge it's lived experience but also a really good hybrid like when they start bringing in like uh, dr day right yeah i mean highly educated man and and there's and and even you know the consultation with uh david best right and like so they're bringing in these top-end educated professionals but it's they're crossing that it's like a hybrid with actual lived experience mm-hmm. so you know the theory guys are going okay here's our theory and then run it by the lived experience guys and they're like well no that won't work or that will work or what if we tweak this yeah and i think the package that they're rolling out is probably as good as it's going to get but even like we were talking about with ocj how you just got to start going right yeah you got to start somewhere and and looking at uh substance use disorders and and the populations and you know the opioid crisis, you know, and the the COVID, the impact of isolation and COVID and all, like all of these things. I mean, if, if, if you sit and try to write a perfect policy, you're never going to get it out the door, yeah. right? It's like, you need to get out your best shot at it and then be humble enough to revisit it and revisit it and revisit mm-hmm. it and tweak it and get feedback. And, and I think that's what I feel again in my sandbox in this lane yeah i'm a big fan of that cabinet within mental health and addiction yeah i don't want to you know whatever the the provincial government's a provincial government there's a ton of shit i don't agree with but what really appeals to me is is this lane and they're getting it right yeah well said i agree 100 percent um you know, when you're, when you're talking about rolling something out, you got to get something started, right? That's a huge issue and a huge leap of faith. When you're talking about a population that there's no going back. If you head down the wrong path, you know, five, six years later, it's going to show us, oh man, I should have never done that. But now there's how many thousands or hundred thousands of people impacted, right? Because the wrong path was chosen at the start. So I think taking the right path with the minimal amount of collateral damage and running with that and revisiting and revisiting and how can we tweak this to do things better and better i i think they're headed in the right direction and an actual evidence-based <clears throat> yeah right? yeah for sure let yeah. the numbers decide yeah i like what you like the uh the theory and the practical of course it brings you back to carpentry right yeah. you know building a rafter when you hand cut a rafter for a house you got your theory here's the line here's lamp, the here's math the, yeah, yeah. You lay it all out and then you put it up there. Oh, I got to put a shim under here and a, yeah. a twist in here because it's not fitting perfect because yeah. it's never, theory is great. In theory, everything works. Yeah. But that's why it's called theory. That's why I carried a 24 ounce framing hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it worked out all the theory for me. Yeah. <laughs> Just hit it harder. Yeah. <laughs> It'll go. <laughs> but yeah, you, you had a shim here and do this and do that. And it's the same as life. Like, here's a theory. And yeah, that's great. And we'll kind of work off that, but there's a whole bunch of other things that we got to bring as in as we're doing it. Yeah. So, and again, like you say, the professionals, absolutely, we need them. I'm not shooting anybody down at all. That is needed. Mm-hmm. But we do need to know we got to tweak everything as we go. And that's the recovery capital, the recovery coach, and all that. It's like, it's not a straight line. For sure. It's all over the place. And we got to tweak each person differently. They're going to find something different. Yeah. 
shim here, shim there, and and that's just it. I think when you know we we look at somebody's journey and it's not lineal, and they go, you know, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, okay, that's not the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And For I sure. think that's you know a lot of problems when we start siloing agencies and programs. <clears throat> well, if if you're siloed and they've tried what you have to offer and you're like, well, that didn't work. Well, that's a dead end. Yeah. Right. That stops. Whereas if we really focus on a continuum of care throughout the community, it's like, okay, that didn't work. Let me hand you off to my buddy who runs this other thing that might work better for you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that you keep, you keep momentum and it's not like a failure. It's just a learning experience that didn't work. What's next. Right. And I think, you know, and I, I've, Ryan knows this very well, how, you know, we've gotten, we've caught in some shit for the language we use. And I don't mean foul language, but like the terminology that we use. And, uh, and I am also softening to that to an extent because it does, some things do matter. Now, don't get me wrong. We catch some shit over saying some things that I don't think matter. And I think it's people that are giving us crap about verbiage that we use that's theory based, not practical based. Um, but you know, making sure people understand that like a relapse isn't a a relapse is a speed bump. It's not a roadblock, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's okay. Well, let's look at the relapse. What happened? And typically it's not the night of it's Mm -hmm. what happened three weeks, four weeks before that, that started that cycle that led you to that. What was like, let's isolate that. Yeah. And let's come up with a game plan around that. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it's an evolution. It's an evolution to get to recovery and, uh, you know, yeah. Am I in recovery? Yep. Do I think this journey's done for me? Shit. No. Like you know, I just spent 15 minutes talking about how much more I've grown in the last yeah. two years. Right. And so, um, I think it's just, I, I, I think we can do better as a community and I think it is going to take all of us in a community and, you know, without trying to over pitch the conference, that's the goal, right? Is get everybody in a room and let's figure out what all of our strengths are and let's figure out how to build a network and how to, you know, even if it's just a business card of, Hey, this is what I do. Here's my card. Well, boom, I've now I've got another resource for my clients to come to me as a recovery coach yeah. or come to OCJ looking for support. Building right? up that old school Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. for those right. of us that know what a Rolodex is. <laughs> yeah. It's true though. And you you would be hard pressed to find a more complex issue than mental health and addiction. Like there's no one way to get through any of it. So to have only one or two solutions is it's ridiculous. So that's I love what you're saying, right? And and you you know, working together and building these networks, this is exactly what a recovery coach does, right? We put together uh, uh, almost like an interdisciplinary team for each individual that we're coaching, right? And it's not something that we put together. It's something that we recognize through their recovery capital that they're missing in their lives. And we help them navigate that. Plunk, plunk, plunk. Let's introduce you to these other services, other agencies, other people, other groups. Get this team built. And now you have a better chance at entering and maintaining recovery. Yeah, and and see that's because we had a conversation the other day, and some was saying, "Well," because we said, "Well, some as a coach, sometimes we can get someone in somewhere else quicker," and they said, "Well, isn't that kind of wrong?" Mm-hmm. 
And truthfully, it's not. And so here, here's what I mean by that. Because when I worked in Vancouver, I worked, I had a really good relationship with this other organization and someone in there. And so we just met by accident. We started talking, found out where we worked and started asking, what do you do? What do you do? And so I would phone up this person, say, I got someone here. They really need your organization. And what's, here's what's going on. And they'd say, okay, just send them down. It may take a day or two, but I got a spot. I can hold them for a day or two and then we'll take them in. And they would do the same with me. And some people say, well, that's wrong. Actually, it's not because what I did and what the other person did is they knew what the mandate was in our organizations that we worked in. So we already done all the pre-work beforehand. So when I said I got someone for your organization, I knew it was for their organization. Yeah. Right? And it still may not work out, but it was what the person was looking for. Here's what I'm looking for. Oh, they do that. Yeah, you've almost pre-vetted those clients. Yeah, so when I qualified them. Exactly. So when I called that person up, they said, oh, okay, so I don't get an interview because you already done everything. Here's what, because I could tell them, here's what they got and here's what they're looking for. And it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, I got a bunch of other people here. I still got to interview and I got to get through all these different interviews. So the person that's fifth on the line, they got to go through four more people where I've already interviewed this person, got everything done. For sure. So, and they done the same for me. Yeah. Right? So... When people hear like, oh, I, you know, sometimes a coach can get someone in there quicker and they think that's wrong. It's, it's not that it's wrong. It's that we have helped that person, again, by asking great questions and find out what they're really looking for. Mm-hmm. And we know the mandate of all these different organizations because an organization does have a mandate. Right. And I, we, we mentioned this a lot in our courses, you know, someone says, oh, I need treatment. Okay, I, I get a treatment place. Then they go in there and they find out, this sucks. Yeah. Right. Because each treatment center does something different. There's 12-step. There's abstinence. There's uh, sure. harm reduction. Faith-based. Yeah, faith. Like, there's so many different ones. Then you start finding out, oh, this is what you're looking for. Here's the mandate. For sure. For this organization that will fit you. Yeah, and that's. I think that's a huge issue with, um, com- you know, and it is a capacity issue. The same individual we were talking to about that had concerns about know, reframing the discussion to a capacity issue. And I go, you know, great. There's capacity. There's capacity issues. That's me in my position and what I'm doing right now, I might be able to minusculely influence that and advocate for it, but I'm not changing government capacity. No, no, for sure. So what's my focus is what do we do in the interim, right? Mm -hmm. How do we support you in the interim while we're waiting for capacity? Because one of the big issues that I've recognized with people that do reach out and end up going to treatment, it's like, I'm in crisis I need to go to treatment. Who's the first available facility to go to? And it's like, man, if you got the wrong place. Yeah. Which a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. Because they just want the first bed available, right? I need treatment. And it's like, it's not the best bet for you. And then they come out of it with a sour taste and they come out of it going, I tried treatment. It didn't work. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. Makes a lot of sense. And that's part of that, you know, in becoming a recovery coach, you're, you're theoretically or not even theoretically, you're, you're a community connector. Mm-hmm. And there are other agencies that have all the resources, a list of them, right? But being a, a, a thorough and dedicated person to that role is knowing, like you just said, knowing the mandates of all these agencies, which ones which ones are going to be a fit for which individual we're working with, right? And that's, that's where an efficient and uh, a beneficial community connector comes in, I think. Anybody can be a community connector if they have a list. And I, and I don't want to just dumb it down like that but anybody can have a list of all the resources in a community and just hand it to somebody mm-hmm. and i find that happens a lot right it happened in your story here's a 
here's a bouquet of pamphlets. Go check them out when you're going to take your life. And I mean, if you're really in the, in it for the right reason, like most of the people that I've met in recovery coach training and you're in it for the right reason, you're there for, to help somebody out of their dark spot. Right. It's like, I, I have a vetted interest in this because I know what it's like to sit in that chair. And I know what it's like if somebody gives me a handful of pamphlets or a brochure and ships me out the door. I know I'm probably going to take my life by supper time. <clears throat> so for me, it's like, that's the biggest piece for me is when somebody reaches out and they want help and they want a recovery coach and now they want to go to treatment or they want to go to a 12 step or whatever, right? We've got to figure out which is going to be the best option for them, right? Well, look at the conversation you and I just had. Yeah. Yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> well, I, you know, this person's looking for this, this, and this. And I said, I know a place. I know the person in there. I know... I know the person running the place. Right? I can call them. Right? Yeah. When I left that individual, I said, well, it's probably going to take more than a day or so to get something put together here. Give me a, give me a few days or a week. And I went back to the office and sat down 40 minutes later. I'm like, well, maybe it's only going to take 40 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just got to know <clears throat> enough people that know the connection piece. Right. Yeah. yeah. Know the mandates, know the connections, have a connection. For sure. Have a personal connection with the person in that and industry. That's another example is the same thing that happened two or three months ago with you, Rick, when yeah. that gentleman reached out, wanted to go to treatment, you had it all put together because you knew what the mandate, what the program, what all these things were in these different treatment centers, which you probably didn't know two years ago. No. But sure you've so. taken the time to know the mandates, right? And become mm-hmm. this community connector. And within three hours, you had this all lined up. Whereas it, you go to, and I won't say names, but you go to certain agencies and that's a three, four week program or process. And good luck keeping that guy on the hook or that lady on the hook and motivated enough three weeks down the road to, to follow through with those plans. So yeah. pretty amazing stuff, dude. Now you can pat yourself on the back because that was fucking amazing. <laughs> but that's the cool thing, right? And that's what it's about. It's about, okay, we know the mandates. And, and I just want to say again, we're not trying to down anybody in here no. with organization or anything. We get it. You got huge lineups. It's with that person I worked with in Vancouver, I knew they had a huge lineup every day of people there. Yeah. And so I knew the reason why, but I know I could help, like say with what Rick said, we could vet everything out and do all the pre-stuff that she, they didn't have to do anymore. Yeah. And, so, and that's the beauty of being connected to you guys now at Orca and you've trained how many recovery coaches across the country, coast to coast. Yeah. Like you're closing in on a hundred or more than a yeah, hundred. More than a hundred. And now- you know, with recovery coach networks that we have and that you guys have put together, now we don't need to know all the resources in Ontario, right? Because there's a dozen recovery coaches out there who are doing that piece. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to connect them to that resource there, which is a recovery coach that's been trained through Orca. And then suddenly they have this vast network in that local region that we can help people with, right? And it's not just <laughs> sending them to Google and say, well, here, just type in Ontario recovery and good luck. Yeah. Right now you have connections across the whole country. Yeah. Amazing. It is cool. Which leads us to another episode this fall where we're going to roll out uh, another program or another project we're working on. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a few episodes prior to that, but Solutions Recovery Institute, and we're going to start talking about that and what that looks like. And, you know, it's not just about Medicine Hat anymore. It's about what can we do better across the whole country because everywhere is struggling right now. It doesn't matter where you go, what news channel you turn on, people are struggling with addiction and there isn't a whole lot of talk about recovery across the whole country. So that's where we're trying to change. Yeah. And that's what we're finding out with all these other coaches we're working with across the country, like Mm -hmm. with our meeting at that month time. Yeah. We're (laughs) struggling in here because we don't have this. So yeah, it's going to be cool. 
So with that, thanks for listening to season two. Yeah. And uh, by all means, if you have any criticisms, mom. Yeah. Or <laughs> any uh, anybody, anybody, you know, input, uh, by all means, get a hold of us. If there's topics you'd like us to touch on more or less or, uh, you know, different points of view, um, please reach out and, and let us know. And yeah. I, I want to do a couple shout outs before I go. One is to my wife. Absolutely. Jerry. Jerry. Right. The support she gives me. That's yeah. why I can come over here and do this. And right. I'll be back and forth in between BC and here. And right. So that's huge in my recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. Having someone to give me that support is something else. And the other one I'm going to shout out to is my coach, Rob. Right. That's another one. Here I am years later still using a coach. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we've got probably two months off here. Um, I'm hoping in that time, Dave, maybe you can uh, throw some WD-40 on these chairs in here. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That's me. <laughs> that costs money. <laughs> um, and with that, I hope you all enjoy your summer. Please take a look at that uh, Sarcon. Again, that's... Uh, S-A-R-R-C-O-N dot C-A or on our website or uh, our, um, we might have a link on our website but our social media for sure. Yeah. Um, if you want to get involved, if you want to learn some stuff, it's going to be pretty, a pretty interesting and dynamic uh, couple days for education around this in our community. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I got nothing else. That's it. I'm going to throw one shout out to uh, Damo. Yeah. He's on the other side of the world right now. I know he's, uh, he's not as, he's not in this room nearly as often as he'd like. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to forget sometimes that he's one of the founding members and what a critical role he's played in this organization. We wouldn't be here without you, but I don't know if, uh, if podcasts are allowed in Qatar, but if they are, (laughs) love you, buddy. They're extremely vetted, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Good stuff, man. And uh, I guess we'll see you back here or you'll hear us back in September. Ish. Ish. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.